glad to be here. Uh, you got to overlook my Arkansas. It sticks out every now and then. But uh, I am glad to be here. I thank the Lord for the opportunity to be here. We're going to the book of 1 Kings today, chapter number 3. I am preaching a message this morning, uh, a different title. And, uh, and I know that it's not going to sound like tremendous when I tell you this title, but if you'll hang with me, there is a principle in this that literally has the power to change your life and, uh, and to, to bring you to the place that God wants you to, to be living. Um, I have a burden uh, that, that the church uh, as a whole, we live, below, we live below our privilege, not just in blessings, but in power and in effectiveness. And, uh, and God has been uh, uh, dealing with me in, in December of 2021. It's crazy. But in December of 2021, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to use a theme for 2023, breaking free in 23. And uh, I believe God wants us free. And uh, we started the year uh, breaking free in finances, and we uh, preached several years, on, or several, probably felt like years to my people. But uh, I, uh, if you're watching online, you don't get to say amen to that, by the way. I, you know who you are. Um, because they are watching, so I'm talking to them. i got to straighten them out even from here. So uh, you know what that's like? Yeah, I know. He told me all about y'all, so. We'll receive a special offering later. I just, anyway, um, several weeks I preached on breaking free in your finances, and then we went into a series, Breaking Free in Your Family. And then uh, the Lord kind of, we were going to go right into breaking free in worship, and like the Lord just kind of paused that. Because there were some things going on with some families and some things going on uh, in my in my own life, and the Lord like directed us, and we we went down a different path for a little bit, and then several weeks ago, God had brought us back to breaking free in worship, and so we've been in that series. We're in the middle of that series uh, right now, and the message I'm preaching to you today is from that series, and um, and uh, and so it does deal with worship, but it comes at it differently, completely different, and. There is a phrase that I'm going to pull from Scripture today that occurs throughout Scripture but has hung me up over the years. And I didn't understand it until about a year and a half ago. And God gave me this message about a year, about a year and a half ago and I didn't realize it was going to be part of this series, but, but, it, but it, it is. And, uh, and if you will hang with me, it will take us a little while to get there, but if you will hang with me, God will reveal a principle to you today that will help you the rest of your life and will help you live in victory the rest of your life. Um, the title of the message is Going Out and Coming In. And uh, just so that you'll understand why uh, Pastor was making fun of me earlier, I said, when I announced that in the first service, I said, now I know that title doesn't knock your hat in the creek. In other words, it's not like a great wind that blows it off your head. You're not blown away by that title. Okay, so... Sometimes it takes translation for people that are less intelligent than me. <laughs> Don't mess with me. I'm just, I'm just teasing. I, I love your pastor. And I want to say this. I meant to do this in the first service, but I, I still, even though I've been preaching since I was 13 years old, preached my first revival when I was 15 and started preaching revivals after that. And by the time, by the time I was... 19 years old, I was preaching 300 days a year. And I'd done that for 27 years. 
And so it's kind of weird, but I still get nervous. I'm nervous right now. That's why I'm still talking. I'm trying to let some of the nerves out. Um, but I meant to do this in the first service, but October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And you have one of the greatest pastors. You have two of the greatest pastors that I know, Pastor Joplin and Pastor Andrea. And that was your cue. I'm going to have to get a translator to come with me next time. I'm going to get cue cards. and Anyway, they are tremendous, tremendous people. They have impacted my life a lot of times and didn't even know it. Just by I would just listen to things they have said. I do things at our church not because he ever sat down with me and said, hey, do this, but because I heard him talking to somebody else and the Holy Spirit said, pay attention to that. You're going to need that. And I was an evangelist at the time and had no idea that I would ever be a pastor. And the Holy Spirit said, pay attention to that. He wasn't even talking to me. He was talking to two other people. He said, pay attention to that because you're going to need that someday. And I listened and I utilize those things now. And so he is a mighty man of God. His wife is a mighty woman of God. And I'm thankful that the kingdom of God is blessed with them. And I hope and pray that you are making plans not only as a church but as families to show your appreciation to them not only in the month of October but all year long. Because if you don't realize what a jewel you have, just try to go without that for a while. Go, go with me to some of the churches I have been and then you, will, you would fall down and kiss the ground and thank the Lord that you have the man of God you have and the woman of God you have. And so I just want to honor them today. I am here not to usurp him but to serve under him. And, uh, and so... I want to honor him, and I want to honor the well today. And I want, if I never come here again, I want to have deposited something from the Word of God to help you today that will last you past the car, past Monday, past next week, next month, next year. I believe this will make a lasting impact if you allow the Holy Spirit to deliver it to you. So 1 Kings chapter number 3, we're going there. I'm going to read verses 5 through 7. All the scriptures will be on the on the uh, screen behind me. I will probably go through them really quickly. You may not have time to look all of them up. But 1 Kings chapter 3, we're going to start in verse number 5. The Bible says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? How many of you in this room would love it if God came to you right now today and said, What do you want? What do you want? I would sign up for that. I've got a list. You've got a list. I've got a list. We all do. We're familiar with this passage of Scripture. We we, we know that in the end Solomon asked for wisdom, but I want us to see something that just gets overlooked. Verse 6, And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And I want us to look at that phrase right there because when I, when I read this several years ago, I got hung up on that. And there are things in the Bible that I, that I get hung on and I can't stop until 
I'll search it out and study it out and discover what it really means. And sometimes it takes time because I want to tell you this. I'm not about just hearing something and saying that sounds good and I'll do that. I want to know truth from the Word of God. I want to know what it really means and why it's there. Because how many of you understand God did not just put things in the Bible because He needed to use a little more space to fill up that page. That every single thing there is there for a reason and for us. And when Solomon said, I don't know how to go out and come in, he is telling you his motive for asking God for what he asked God for. The motive matters. How many of you believe that? The motive matters for the things that we ask. And we know that he asked for wisdom. And God said, because you didn't ask for wealth and, and abundance and all of these other things, you asked for wisdom. He said, because you didn't ask for those, not only am I going to give you what you ask, but I'm going to give you all the other stuff you didn't ask for. And the key to that was not just because he asked for wisdom and didn't ask for the other stuff, but the key was the motive. The motive was this, I don't know how to go out and come in. He's, in essence, he's asking God, teach me how to go out and come in. My dad, he's saying, my dad knew something that I don't know. My father knew how to do something that I don't know how to do. And the indictment against David is that he never taught Solomon how to go out and come in. And I know you don't know what that means yet, but just think about it for a minute. He's not talking about entering and leaving doors. He's not telling God, God, my dad was a genius with doorknobs. That is not what he's saying. But he's saying that it's something that is so much deeper, so much more impactful, so much more powerful than that, and is applicable to us. We're going to go on a little bit and cover some more Scripture and then get to the main part of the message. But I want you to notice these things that are being said. Moses is praying, in Numbers 27, Moses is praying for his replacement, for the person that's going to come behind him to lead the children of Israel. Because Moses knows eventually he's not going to be there. And so Moses is talking to the Lord, Numbers 27, verse 15. Moses spoke to the Lord saying, Let the Lord, the God of spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord might not be like sheep which have no shepherd. In other words, Moses is saying, Lord, send them somebody that knows how to go out and come in and somebody that can teach them how to go out and come in. Because the danger here is that if you don't know how to go out and come in, you will be like scattered sheep. You will be a victim of the prey. You will be prey of your adversary. You will be a victim of the victimizer. The enemy will be able to have his way with you. In Deuteronomy 31, Moses is giving his farewell speech, his, his retirement speech, if you will. And Moses in verse 1 says, then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. He said, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Listen, he's not talking about being old and decrepit because the Bible says that Moses was 120 years old and his eyes were not dim and his natural strength was not abated. He is not weak. He is not worn out. He is not frail. He is as strong physically as he has ever been. 
But he come to the point, he says, I can no longer go out and come in. There was a reason for that. He's not talking about a physical condition. Are you with me right now? He is talking, he has to be talking about a spiritual condition. I, want to, I didn't cover this in the first service, but I tell you, that spiritual condition was a result of his disobedience to God. God told him, you speak to this rock, but he lost his temper in his anger. He smote the rock, and it didn't just change physical things, but it changed the spiritual relationship between Moses and God. Something happened. He could no longer. How many of you understand that when they came out of Egypt and they came to the mountain of God, Moses was the only one who was allowed on the mountain. He was the only one allowed to go up into the mountain. He was the only one that was allowed up there. God told them, he said, put a boundary around the mountain so that nobody touches it, not a person, not an animal, because even so much as your beast touches it, it will die. But only Moses comes up here. But something changed and Moses lost that connection with God. Deuteronomy 28 verse 6 says these words. This is also Moses, he's pronouncing blessings and things. He said, blessed shall you be, When you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. There it is again. It shows up all through Scripture in John chapter 10 verse 9. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. In other words, there is something after saved. Come on, somebody. There is something that we do beyond salvation. Come on, somebody. I'm not talking about second works of grace. I'm not talking about uh, doing this or that. You're going to understand it in a minute. I remember about a year and a half ago, God gave me understanding this. I was reading the book of Joshua when I came to chapter 14, verse 11. And I read over that over and over. For years I read it and never seen what was said. But God showed me what this means in Joshua 14, verse 11. He says these words. This is Caleb talking to Joshua about possessing the promised land. He says, as yet I am as strong this day as on the day Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. And so this is a military term. I understood then all of a sudden the light bulbs went off. All of a sudden the bells started ringing. All of a sudden I understand what this meant. It is a military term and we are at war. We are in a spiritual warfare. We are not at peace with the devil. But we are in a warfare and he is out to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Amen? But I want you to understand, Jesus said, the thief does not come, John 10, the thief does not come but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The word translated more abundantly is one Greek word. It is parisos. And you know what parisos means? It means more than, more than enough. So this is what Jesus said. The thief come to bring war, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I come so that you might have more than, more than enough. Somebody shout hallelujah. 
We've been living below our privilege as children of God. We've been living below the level of blessing that God wants for us. We are not meant to be victims. We are not meant to be statistics. We are not meant to lay down to the enemy. But we are meant to be overcomers and put him under our feet. Jesus said these words. When you come to me, you'll be saved and go in and out. This military term. There are a lot of people who are living the miserable Christian life because they don't know how to come in and they don't know how to go out. Some people have no victory in life because they don't know how to come in and they don't know how to go out. Solomon was saying to God, I don't know how to go out and come in. I don't know how to do it. My father knew, but I don't know. My father knew. David is, David is the king of Israel that never lost a battle. He is the king who never lost a battle. He won every battle, including the battle with his son Absalom that he wanted to lose. He still won because he knew how to come in and go out. Solomon, because God, because God divinely showed him how to come in and go out, Solomon never had to fight a battle. How many would put your name on that list? If there was something I could do, if there was something that was missing. Better yet, let me ask you this. How many of you in this room today, you don't have to raise your hand, just answer between you and the Holy Spirit, but how many in this room today feel like there's something missing? You just feel like there is an absence somewhere. There is a vacuum somewhere. You, you know you're saved. You know you're going to heaven. If you died right now, you're going to heaven. But there's just something missing. You can't seem to break through. There is a glass ceiling you can't get through. There is just a wall you can't get past. You come so far and it's like you hit a wall and then you can't do anything else. You reach this one level and then it's that's it. You just There's limitation. And so the enemy convinces you this is as good as it's ever going to be. That's a lie of Satan because God has no limits on you. Jesus said the things that you saw me do, you will do greater things than those because I'm going to my Father. We don't have to live below our privilege anymore. Solomon is saying to God, I need to know what my Father knew how to do. And so we're going to learn some about what David knew from 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 12 through 16. It says this, Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. Do you see that? And David, even though he had enemies, even though it looked like he received a demotion, He went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. This is verse 14. The Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. But, verse 16, I want you to see this. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. 
I want to tell you this right now, that if you will grab a hold of the principle that you're going to learn what it is in just a moment of time, if you will grab a hold of this principle and you will apply this to your life, it doesn't matter who hates you. It doesn't matter who makes you their enemy. It will bring the favor of God into your life in spite of the powerful people making you their enemy. Do you see that? The people loved David not because he killed Goliath, not because he was a captain, not because he had a name, not because he had notoriety. They loved him because he went out and came in in front of them. Favor. Favor. I want favor on my life. How about you? I want the favor of God on my life. I want the favor of God on my son. I want the favor of God on the things that I set my hand to do for the glory of God. I want the favor of God to rest on me. In David's time, David was David went in and came out in front of the people. He was leading the people. He led them to the house of God to worship before they went out to war. Remember I told you it's a military term. When a battle is lost, we, ma- we need to come in and repent before God about why the battle was lost. When a battle is victorious, we should come in and rejoice in the presence of God because He has given the victory. If a battle gets long, we should take a break and come into the presence of God and be refreshed in the presence of the Lord. We need to learn what it is to come in and go out. You're going to find that right now. The first point I want you to see today is this. It comes from verse 12 and verse 14 where it says God was with him. Number one, worship brings the presence of God into your life. David wrote these psalms which are songs to the Lord. He knew how to enter the presence of God. What made David great was not the sling, it was not the sword it, was not even, it wasn't even his character. How many of you know David had a flawed character? It wasn't even that he was perfect. He wasn't perfect. David, if you go study the scripture, David raped Bathsheba. He took her by force. David wasn't perfect. And a lot of people, you immediately discount yourself and say, I cannot come into the presence of God. I cannot do what David did because of my past. Say goodbye to your past and leave it in your past. Because I'm telling you, the Lord will not remember it against you. If you will surrender all that to Him and forsake that sin and walk away from it, listen, the calling and the gifts of God are without repentance. He's not going to change His mind. Everything God ever had for you, He still has for you. Everything. What made David great was not anything about him other than he was a worshiper. And David, listen to me, did not go out from the presence of God. He went out with the presence of God. You come in so you have something to go out with. You come in so you have something to go out with. Jesus said, I'm the door. If any man comes to me, he will be saved. And sadly, that is where a lot of us stop our Christian experience. We get saved. And listen, that is tremendous. That's wonderful. Praise God, you're going to heaven. But I want to tell you, there is much more than that. There is more than that. 
It's not about getting saved and struggling your way to heaven. It's not just about getting saved and living a miserable Christian life until you finally get to die and go to heaven. It's not about hating life and hating the world till you go to heaven. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more than, more than enough. We don't have to live below our privilege any longer because we can come in and then go out with something. Can I tell you though, if you don't come in, you'll have nothing to go out with. Worship brings us into the presence of the Lord. What Solomon was saying to God, Solomon was trying to tell the Lord, God, I don't know how to wor- I don't know how to worship you. I don't know how to worship you. I cannot face the battles out there if I don't get something in here. Can I tell you this? I said this in the first service. I'll say it again right now that what happens in here will be the greatest it's ever been if it is an overflow of what's happening in your home. It is God's will that what happens in this house is an overflow of what's happening in your house. You need to worship God in your living room. You need to let your kids catch you praying. You need to let your kids walk in on you crying over the Word of God. You need to let your kids walk in seeing you with your hands raised in your living room when there's nobody to watch. There's nobody to see it. It's just you and God. They need to, you need to let them stumble in on a, an experience where you are talking to God and God is talking to you and let them see the glory of God can fall in your living room just like it can fall in this room. Can I tell you, if we will come in we will have something to go out with I believe that the Lord is calling the well to walk out of these doors today with something you've never had before I believe that there are many, many times many of us come together into the house of God and we come in and we get something but when we go out it slides off as we go out the door God said don't let it slide off today Let it get out the doors. Let it get on the streets. Let it go to your homes. Let it go to your places of employment. Let it get into your marriages. Let it get into your finances. Let it get into your health. Let it get into your life. Let it go into your schools. Let it go into this town. I want to tell you that we will make an impact if we will come in and go out. The last words of Jesus were not go. Sure, he said the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, baptize them under the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But that ain't the last thing he said. The last thing he said was stay until you get something to go with. Could it be that we fail a lot of times in what we set out to do for the Lord because the moment we receive the instruction, Notice they receive the instruction to go before they receive the power to go. Could it be that we receive the instruction and we immediately go before we take the time to stay? You see, I want to tell you something. Today ought to be the day that you walk out of here different than you've ever walked out of here before. Today ought to be the day that the well shakes up Derby like it's never been shook before. 
Today ought to be the start of a generational revival that can be traced back to this place. Not because this sermon is preached, but because this church is planted and because all of you people have been faithful and because all of you people have been holding on and because you are going to start setting. Instead of letting the world set the standard for what worship ought to look like, I want to say this, in Derby, Kansas, the well needs to set the standard for what worship looks like. Show the world. And a lot of us say, well, I don't even know what that looks like. Every day before you go out, you ought to come in. Before you put your clothes on, before you go out the door and go off to your employment, before you go, you should come. God doesn't want you to go out from His presence. He wants you going out with His presence. And Solomon knew that. Solomon knew, I will never be able to be king. I will never be able to fight the battles. I will never be able to win the wars. I will never have the favor of the people. I will never be able to hold this together. I will be a miserable failure if I don't know how to go out and come in. And he said, God, I've got to have that. Point number two. And listen to exactly the way I'm saying this. I am not saying that worship brings the fear of God. Listen to the way I'm saying it. Worship brings God's fear over your life. Not the fear of God as in reverence and respect. But look at verse number 12 of 1 Samuel 18. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. You say, what is that? That is your enemies are afraid to touch you because you know how to come in and go out. Saul was never able to kill David because David knew how to come in and go out. I'm preaching better than y'all are shouting up in here. David had God on him. And the Bible says that when David was anointed, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And the very next verse said, an evil spirit came on Saul. The evil spirit on Saul was afraid of the Spirit of God on David. Can I tell you, we don't have to be afraid because the Holy Spirit in us is greater than any other spirit we will face. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be intimidated. We don't have to back down. I'm telling you, I'm a fighter. And I've been through a fight in my church, and I told my church this. In January, I said, I don't care if it ends up me being standing in an empty room in this building preaching to a camera. I will keep doing what God said to do until He tells me to do something else. You say, what gave you the power to say that? I know how to come in and go out. I'm not doing that in my power. I am coming in to get something that is greater than me. Because I'm telling you, if you walk out of here today and all you have got is what you can do, if all you have is what you can do, if all you have is the strength you can muster, if all you got is what you can provide, then we will all fail miserably. But I thank the Lord it's not going to be that way anymore. That from this day on it's going to be different because you know how to come in and go out. And the enemy will be afraid to touch you. That's why Solomon never had to fight a battle. Because his worship far surpassed his father's worship. 
Point three is found in verse 14. It says, David behaved wisely. The reason that Saul was afraid is because David had something he didn't have. And it says, David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Can I tell you this? Worship brings something into your life that nothing else will. Worship brings something into your life nothing else will. Let me define worship for you just real quickly. The simplest definition of worship is love expressed. If it is love but it is not expressed, then it is not worship. If it is expressed but it is not love, it is not worship. You've not worshipped just because you came to church. That doesn't mean you've worshipped. You have not, not worshipped just because you sang songs. That means you sang. It doesn't mean you've worshipped. You may pray, but that doesn't mean you've worshipped. You might open the Word. That doesn't mean you've worshipped. You may put money in an offering, but that doesn't mean you've worshipped. It's not worship unless it is love expressed. Unless you are expressing love for God, it is not worship. David knew what it was to come in and express his love to God. Why was Solomon the wisest man in the world? Because he said, God teach me what my father knew. My father was a warrior, which meant he knew how to go out. But he was also a worshiper, which meant he knew how to come in. Solomon learned how to come into the presence of God. And David got something that Saul didn't have. And he didn't teach Solomon how to get it. But Solomon knew that I have to have it. And Solomon knew it comes from God. I can't learn it from a pastor. I can't do it by watching Pastor Joplin. He's a great example. But I can't do it just if if I copy what he does. All I'm doing is copying what he does. If he raises his hand and I raise my hand, it doesn't mean I've worshipped. If he sings and I sing, it doesn't mean I've worshipped. But if I, from my heart, pour myself out to God and I give Him myself and I offer Him worship because worship is an offering. It is not an event. It is not a church service. It is an offering to God. If I do that, then I can worship. Solomon gained wisdom from being in the presence of God. David got something Saul didn't have. He had favor with the people because he came in and went out in front of them. Right? He didn't just have favor with the people. You don't get favor with the people unless you have favor with God. He had favor because he was not ashamed to worship God. So when David went to try to get the Ark of the Covenant and bring the manifest presence back to where it belonged, after the whole reign of Saul, how long does the Bible say Saul reigned? Forty years. For the whole reign of Saul, the book of Psalms tells us that the Ark of Covenant was left in a field by the woods. When the, when, the, when the milk cows pulled the cart and stopped in front of the house of Abinadab, Abinadab took the ark and he put it in a field by the woods, out back behind his dwelling. 
and it stayed there. And David wrote about it and he says, we found it in a field by the woods. They put it on a cart and tried to bring it the way the Philistines sent it. They tried to take the easy way to the presence, the easy way to the glory. Go to the right church, sing the right songs, act the right way. Can I tell you something right now? I, I, I am guilty of this. After 27 years on the road, 300 days a year, if I wanted to, you might think I am. You might say I am so strong-willed you couldn't do it. But if I wanted to today, I could start pulling stuff out and I could work you up into a lather to the point that you'd be drop-kicking babies and throwing hymn books and you'd walk out of here today saying that's the greatest preacher we ever heard and that's the greatest move of God we ever had and all you would have had is a bunch of fluff and nothing. I'm not interested in that. I want what's real. How about you? How I many you understand that the world is in the shape it's in because we've had, we've had a whole generation of people that have forgotten how to come in and go out? Getting up and preaching and telling them what sorry dogs they are and how much a sinner they are and how, much, how fast they're going to hell, that is not changing the world. But David had the favor of God and gained favor with the people by going in going out we've done it wrong all these years we thought we got to make people feel bad enough to change how about we just show them how about we just show them the power of God and what it will do for their life the gospel is not that you're a sinner and on your way to hell the gospel is is that you're a sinner and there's a God who loves you anyway and he is willing to save you and he is willing to change your life and he is willing to turn it around if you will just simply put your faith and your trust in him and enter into worship he will do beyond what you could ask or think according to the power that works in you So David tries to take the shortcut and a man loses his life. And so for a period of months, the ark sits in the house of Obed-Edom and then David all of a sudden realizes the only way you get the presence of God is you worship it in. And so for every six steps, for 30 miles, they stop, they make a sacrifice, they, they sound a trumpet, they shout and they worship. And they do that every six steps for 30 miles. And when the Ark of the Covenant is coming into the place, the Bible says that David danced himself out of his outer robe and he is only wearing his linen undergarments. The Bible says that he danced before the Lord with all his might. This is not speaking of some supernatural ability. This is not speaking of some supernatural force coming down and taking over David's body and he's having all these involuntary... David is making a willful decision to worship and to dance with all his human strength. Well, I will worship when the Holy Spirit takes over my, and, and I can't help but raise my hands. You'll never worship. I will come in when the Lord comes down and takes over me, and I have no choice, and all, I, all, I, all, I, all I'm going to do is it, it's, it's going to take over me, and then I'm going to be out of control. You'll never worship. 
That is against the nature of God. Are you hearing me right now? If that was the nature of God, then He would force you to be saved. He would come down and He would take over your body and you would involuntarily surrender your life to the Lord. That's not God's nature. David danced with all his human might. It wasn't supernatural. Are you hearing me? Worship is not occur when some lightning flashes across the sky and the birds start singing in the back of your ears and you black out and then when you come to, all of a sudden you've been worshiping for two hours. That's not it at all. Worship is an act of your will to come in. But we don't worship and this is why. David's wife, Michael, she looks out her window. How many understand she was not where she was supposed to be? She should have been out there worshiping too. But instead, she criticizes David's worship. And do you know why we don't worship with all our might? Because we are afraid of the criticism of the onlookers. We're afraid the non-worshippers will criticize us. And notice this. It was the non-worshipper in his own family. Well, I'll worship when mom does. I'll worship when dad does. Can I tell you something? Some of you are going to have to learn how to worship past mom. You're going to have to worship past dad. You're going to have to worship past grandma, past grandpa. Stop living on their coattails. God's calling you to step up. Maybe they are waiting on you to worship. I want to tell you this right now, that we don't want to do it because we don't want to be labeled as crazy. Can I tell you something? Well, I wish today that you'd be willing to be labeled as crazy. I wish that you'd be willing to say, you know what? Everybody in town says that well worship center, they are crazy. They are crazy, but every time they come together, there's miracles happening. They are crazy, but God is blessing their life. They are crazy, but man, their finances are turning around. They are crazy, but man, people are being healed. They are crazy, but blind eyes are being opened. They are crazy, but people that have been given up for dead are being walking back into church alive. You say, you're making that up? I'm not. I'm telling you. I'm not telling it here. I've told Pastor Joplin. He can tell you some other time. These people can be found and verified. But I watched them carry a man in the back of the church, given up for dead. I watched them carry him out after we prayed for him. The next day, he's back at church walking, talking, alive and well. He raised up out of the back of his vehicle on the way home. 21 years later to the day, we didn't even pray for this woman to be healed of blindness. Didn't even know she was blind. She just asked the Lord to give her hope and a will to live. So that's what we prayed for and walked away. Five minutes later, she starts yelling, I could see. We're living below our privilege. We're living below our privilege. And the thing is, is that there are a lot of things God has for us that we are not receiving and it's not because we're not holy. It's not because we're not saved. It's not because God plays favorites. How many of y'all in here have thought, you know what, God loves other people more than He loves me? You ever thought that? He favors them more than He favors I know you're afraid to raise your hand. I know, because 
you're still worried about what people will think. But the reality is there are some of you in this room right now that you have the attitude, well, I can't win for losing. It happens. That's, that's what you think. But I want to tell you, maybe the thing that is missing is coming in. I'm not going to read it all to you, but in 2 Chronicles 9, you can read the first four verses, and it talks about the Queen of Sheba coming to Solomon. And she came, she came, and she saw all of his wealth, and she, he answered all of her hard questions, and she saw all of his wisdom, and she saw all of the things that he prepared, and all the things that were put out there to impress her. She saw all of that. But the Bible says that she said, verse 4, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters, their apparel, his cupbearers, their apparel. And then it says, and this entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. When she saw his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. That word entryway is the Hebrew word ayalah. Ayalah, it means a dedicated chamber of entrance, but it's not talking about a physical building. It is talking about a way of approach. When she saw that this man who is the wisest and the wealthiest in all of the world, when he fell down and worshipped God, it took her breath away. The one who came there, the Bible says, to test him with hard questions. She came there unimpressed and she was going to leave unimpressed until she saw him willfully fall down and worship the God of heaven. Can I tell you what might cause some people to come to Jesus that are holding out? Is if they see you come in and go out I want to I didn't get to read this in the in the first service because God didn't let me if y'all want to come and be, be getting ready I didn't want to read it here God didn't let me but I, I want to read this to you and then I'm going to I'm going to share something with you actually I'm going to share this and then I'm going to close with this verse of scripture Ezekiel 46 9 I'm going to close with that it was always God's desire to come to us do you believe that because he always came and walked with Adam. But when Adam fell, God could no longer come to man. He could no longer come to man, so he devised a plan so that, so that we could come to him. He created the sacrificial system, the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifer. And, and they, brought, they brought all of that, and that's how they came to God. But it didn't satisfy God. It didn't satisfy man. It was a temporary solution to a permanent problem. And then one day, God came up with a permanent solution and made the permanent problem a temporary problem. He sent Jesus. Jesus, God in the flesh, all of a sudden, now God can come to us again. The reason He came to us is so that once again we could go to Him. He came to us. He bled. He died. He was a sacrifice. He ascended to the Father. And then He sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came. And He is on you. And He is in you. And He will walk in you. That's what the Bible says. He is God in you. Come on now. Jesus was God with us. The Holy Spirit is God in us. And when Jesus died... 
The system God devised included a veil that separated us from God. We could get close, but we could never come near. Are you with me? But when Jesus died, God ripped the veil. He said, so now, I came to you so that you can once again come to me. He wants us to come in and go out. Come in and worship. Go out with power. Come in and worship. Go out changed. Come in and worship and go out and transform the world around you. I want to read this to you. I wanted to read this the first service. The Lord wouldn't let me. I don't know why. Maybe they're not as holy as y'all. I don't know. Ezekiel 46 verse 9 says this. But when the people of the land come before the Lord on the appointed feast days, whoever enters by the north gate to worship, whoever enters to worship, everybody say to worship. Whoever enters by way of the north gate to worship shall go out by way of the south gate. And whoever enters by way of the south gate shall go out by way of the north gate. He shall not return by the way of the gate through which he came, but shall go out through the opposite gate. God says, if you will come in, you will not leave the same. When you come in to worship, you will not leave the same in fact we are commanded to come into worship and not leave the same how many of you in this room today I'm not the Lord spoke to me not to give a formal invitation I'm asking a question and then I'm gonna I'm gonna step away and the Lord is dealing with you and you're gonna act accordingly that's what the Lord said to do the Lord is speaking to you this there is nothing man-made or man trumped up that needs to happen. We need to act according to the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask you this question. How many of you in this room today, though, have things or a thing that you've just learned to live with? It seems like it's never going to change. You don't have to raise your hand. I don't want you to get It's not an invitation. This is still part of the message. Do you know that there is power to come in? The great thing about coming in is when you come in, you're not just going out with something you didn't have. You can also leave without something you came with. You can bring the things you don't want and leave them and go out with the things you need.